Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Come on. Come on, baby. You talking about nothing? Nothing. Uh, Shies away wants to hear. Yeah, I give up. Progress. No, I don't want to. Like, dude. Do you comfortable? Can you get going? I wanted to try and live stream. We gonna make that happen the next time, baby. We gonna make that happen. So, all right. So I'm gonna get this thing jumped off, started. Guys, bear with me. Let's have some fun. All right. Three, two, one. Welcome, welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of Hawk Talk. I'm your host, Colin Cole. And man, I got another great show for you today. I got uh, two, count them, two great, great guys jumping on with me. But before that, man, we have to have another awesome show. We got to talk about this game against Colorado State. Uh, the Rams came into to Kinnick Stadium. But, uh, you know, it, we, we got a chance to extend that winning streak. We got, uh, we're, we're here on nine straight games, a nine-game winning streak, man. That's a great, great thing for the Hawkeye program. And, you know, I'm, I'm excited going forward, man. We got another great game coming up next week, but we're going to talk about this one. I'm going to jump right into it and introduce my resident guest host, two-time All-Big Ten, three-year starter at Offensive Tackle, luxury real estate mogul in Chicago, Illinois, Mr. David Porter. David, thank you for joining me today on the show, sir. Yo, man, thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. You over there shaking your head. Did I say something wrong? I said luxury. Oh, I didn't say anything wrong at all. Okay, I was. I think I was right, but it's all good. And yeah. then, sticking with our student athlete spotlight, that's what I'm gonna do, stick with us because we have the opportunity last week. We had great cornerback Matt Hankins join us on the show this week. We have Iowa's Aussie Bomber. That's what I call him. I call him <laughs> Bomber. I don't know. That might not necessarily be, be, be necessary PC. And I hope it's not being rude by saying that. But my man's kicks have been a thing of beauty at times. The punt he had at Iowa State, it put them guys inside of the 10 that resulted in the safety. Man, that's a thing of beauty, bro. Like, like I said, an absolute beast. Listed as a preseason All-Big Ten candidate, I believe personally that this guy, this young man, will be a Ray Guy Award finalist. Um, of course, I'm talking about the punter out of Melbourne, Australia. He is also celebrating his birthday next Thursday. My man, Tori Taylor. Tori, welcome to the show, sir. Thank you very much for having me, guys. I uh, really appreciate you guys getting on here. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, talking some nonsense because that's what I'm pretty good at. And uh, from what I've gathered, I think we all are. So I'm looking forward to it. Hey, hey Tori, let me tell you something. I'm going to start this off right. I want to be honest with you. All yeah. the love in the world for, for specialists. Man, what you do is just tremendous. Um, I'll be honest, I was hoping for a defensive guy. David was like, no, nah, I want an offensive guy. You know what? We, we met in the middle. We said the best solution to this problem is to have the bomb, uh, the Aussie bomber himself, Mr. Tory Taylor, man. Thank you again for joining me, brother. Uh, thanks again for having me. Uh, it's, it's always a good day when the specialists are getting some love, so I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> no doubt. So, guys, honestly, throughout this season, man, the Hawks have had a dominant early – been kind of dominant early on, right? I mean, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Offensively, the Hawks have gotten off to slow starts in each of their first four games, um, and they faced the Rams who uh, this Colorado State team was not, they weren't, uh, they weren't intimidated by the number five ranking. So first off, I'm going to jump to you, David. Let's talk about it, man. You got a chance to be in, in Iowa City this past weekend, man. Tell me about uh, what you saw out of that Rams team, uh, specifically 
specifically as a, their, their defense. You know, we, we got a chance to kind of see a 4-3 scheme as opposed to that 3-3-5 three, three, that we saw against uh, that opponent prior. So what do you think, what was, what was your overall take being out there now with City, bro? I'm going to denigrate you. They are who we thought they were. Right? That, that's when I looked at When I saw Colorado State, they are what we thought they were. They're a tough physical team, and they came ready to play. Right? And when we talked about the three keys last week, one of the keys for us was to start early, like get started fast, get started quickly, get our offense going and get our run fits in there so that we can actually establish the offense. And we didn't start quickly, right? They came out and they were ready for us. And we just kind of like showed up, Hey, we're number five, Iowa, let's go. And they're like, well, you got to prove it. And we weren't quite ready for that yet. So we, in, we left the first quarter with zero points, zero points. Um, it wasn't until the second quarter that we really started to get going, but we went into the half down 14 to seven. And that was a, that was a tough pill to swallow. It, when I was walking around the stadium, a lot of the fans were disappointed. They were downtrodden. I'm like, it's okay. We're going to come back. We're going to get this right, this ship. But you know, the best thing I can see about this is by far, I'm going to say it's probably our worst game of the season. And we still won. We still have not put together a complete game. It was probably our worst game of the season, and we still won. That's how talented this team really is. They are so talented that they don't even have to play their best. <laughs> they can still win by double digits. What do we win by? Was it 24 to 14? Uh, yeah, 24 to 14. 10-point victory, right? And it wasn't even close to our best game. Our defense came out in the second half and just pitched a shutout. I mean, these guys were freaking flying all over the place. It was amazing to watch those guys play. And then, of course, your punts. You know they average two yards of return? Yeah. yeah, I think about that. Yeah, yeah, I thought about it too. It was really good. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's uh, a bit, bit hard to bit hard to return a punt when uh, you shank it out of bounds. But uh, no, <laughs> I, I, I appreciate the nice you. words. Thank you. <laughs> wow. wow, wow, wow! You know, I wasn't expecting you to say that, Tori, but uh, you did mention it. It did happen. But you know, I mean, these things happen. It was a pressure situation. That sort of thing happens. It did set up their first. It set up one of the scores of the game. But let me ask you this, Tori. What you, since you mentioned, make mention to that. Talk, talk to me about what your process is while you're out there on the field and how you kind of go through uh, going into, obviously, the snap and then getting your catch and then going through the follow-through and, and finishing the play. Oh, uh, yeah. So I've kind of developed – I mean, when I got here last year, I really didn't know anything really to do with American football and I was kind of just figuring stuff out, just really just going with the flow and fluking my way around on the football field. But this year, uh, one of my biggest goals was to just develop a proper sideline routine because I feel like when you develop that routine, it all just becomes, um, well, I know for me, it just works because I just feel so much more relaxed um, because it's like what I'm doing in practice, it's the same thing as what I'm doing in a game. So yeah, I've got my specific um, routine. Like when it's first down, I just jump on the bike and then I'll um, second down, I kick a couple of balls in, into the net. And then I just feel like I'm ready to go. Like I can walk over to Coach Woods, um, confident and ready to go. Um, take a few deep breaths. Um, that's one thing that I've also focused on a lot um, is more so just like the mental side of things because um, it really is. Um, I know it's a physical game, but it's 99% um, upstairs, especially for my position because um, I, I know that I can kick the ball the way I want to, but it's really just going, going out there and executing it. But to answer your question, um, it honestly happens so quickly that I kind of just run out there um, and it really just feels like, there's just like a tunnel around me um, and I'm really just like focusing on catching that ball 
um, and then and then kicking it. But I, I've been kicking a ball like I, I feel like some people don't understand. Like I've been punting in American football for about two years, but I've been kicking um, a similar shaped football for honestly since I was almost born. Like you guys grew up throwing the football or the baseball or things like that. I literally grew up kicking the football. football. So it's really not anything um, too different to, to what I've um, grown up doing. Um, it's obviously a bit harder when there's um, big six foot four, 230 pound guys running at you, trying to get you. Um, so, so that was certainly uh, quite daunting when I first uh, got out there at Purdue last year, but I think it's really just come down to developing a sideline routine. Um, and I, that's really something that I've knuckled down um, in the off season, just chatting to other guys and um, Jason Baker, who I'm sure both, you know, he's uh, helped me a lot um, dramatically. And I know I owe a lot of credit to him because he's helped me with a lot of stuff, especially that sideline routine um, sort of stuff. And more so the sports psychology side of football, because punting is kind of one of those things. You've got to be so technical. It's, there's such a fine line between hitting a good ball and a bad ball. Um, but he's really kind of just narrowed it down to me and that's made it um, 10 times easier. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting. A shout out to, uh, to to Iowa Hawkeye alum, Jason Baker, who lives down here in Charlotte. So yeah, shout out to him. But uh, it's interesting, you know, talking about playing a completely different sport uh, for basically your whole life and then making the transition yep. over to playing football. I mean, there are a lot of similarities, but there are a lot of things that are different. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how uh, you've made that transition in terms of uh, not necessarily, I know certain aspects of rugby mimic a lot of what goes, or I should say there are a lot of similarities between rugby and, and football. So yeah. growing up and, and what you're, you've been an athlete and, and, and playing that sport as long as you have, talk to us a little bit about how you feel comfortable and confident doing what you do on the field on, on, on fourth down when your time comes. I think it just comes back to repetition. But the hardest thing was, I mean, when I was back home in Australia punting, like we were every session, like three or four times a week, we'd just pound balls, like ball after ball after ball. Whereas here, um, they manage your, your repetitions quite a lot. Like some practices, I might only get like eight or nine um, reps in a, in a live um, period. So that's kind of been um, different because I kind of thought, oh, I'll just come over here and um, just pound as many balls as I can and, I'll be ready to go. But when you only have such a um, small amount of kicks, um, you've really got to knuckle down because you don't know when your next one is going to be. And it's especially like that in a game. And I think that's what the most disappointing thing was. I'll bring it up again, hitting that ball um, out of bounds. It's kind of like, I always think like, oh, if Spencer um, misses a, um, a shot downfield or something, like, okay, like he's, he gets another one. Like it's only second down. Whereas, if I kick a bad ball, it's just like, well, there's absolutely no guarantee that I'll get another one. You know what I mean? Um, so I think it was kind of good to go out there in the second half and um, rectify a few mistakes that I made in the first half. Yeah, like I said before, I feel like the, the transition, um, I mean, it hasn't been easy, but it hasn't been as, as hard as I thought. I feel like um, you just have such a small amount of time to catch the ball um, and kick it. That's probably been the hardest part. Um, and just doing it um, in a live period with um, some big guys running at you, um, trying to get you, not so much in practice, but more so in a game. Yeah, they're, they're coming to get you, which is understandable because it's the same for us. We're trying to get them. No doubt. No doubt. 
No doubt. So, all right. That, that, I appreciate you sharing that with us, man, because I definitely had that thought when thinking about that in terms of making a transition and what that process is like. So we're going to jump into uh, some, let's talk a little bit about that Hawkeye offense and shifting yeah. you a little bit. Uh, talk to me a little bit. You, you're there on the sideline, you know, this is relatively new to you, but you know, you're there on the sideline. So you're getting, getting the grasp of it, I'm sure at this point. Spencer yeah. Features had maybe his most prolific day throwing for 224 yards off of uh, five, yeah. 15 for 23 passing with two touchdowns. Unfortunately, yeah. uh, Torrey, uh, he threw his first interception of the season, which led to a yeah. Colorado State uh, touchdown, which made the game 14-7 uh, at deficit at the half. You talk a little bit about how, you know, the, that punt, if you shank it, sometimes it takes the air out of the, uh, out of the, the stadium. What was it like on the sideline when when Spencer threw that that interception and the man obviously streaked down the sideline? What what was the energy like in the stadium then? I think I mean within the stadium, obviously there weren't many fans um, that were very happy. I mean, I'm sure David can attest to this. I'm sure there were people around him yelling and screaming and saying God knows what. But no, 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 none of us um, really care about that. But I think the one thing that, that Spencer does really well is first and foremost, he, he ignores the noise, the external noise, but he's really good at just moving on to the next play. And I, I, I mean, I chat to him um, quite freak, frequently about this because I feel like, um, I hope I'm not being biased or anything, but I really feel like there's only three um, positions in football where there's really a definitive outcome. It's like, I'll, I'll either like hit a good punt, Caleb will either um, miss or make a field goal or Spencer, whether they make the pass or not the pass. It's really probably just Caleb and Spencer that really have that definitive um, outcome of, I guess, success. Like like I said, Caleb either makes the field goal or Spencer either makes the throw or, or he doesn't. But like I said, one thing that Spencer does really well is just moving on to the next. Um, and he was obviously disappointed in himself um, with what happened um, in that second um, quarter. But mm-hmm. he just, like I said, he, he moves on really well. Um, and all the guys on the team um, were always encouraging, um, not just Spencer, everyone else, because no one, I mean, everyone wants to be a perfectionist, but what are you really perfect at? So it's one of those things that um, we're just always trying to encourage one another. Um, no one's ever um, putting one, one, one another down. Well, I know from my point of view, but I'm always right, I'm right next to um, Spencer on the sideline. The QBs and the specialists are always at the far end. And um, yeah, we're always getting around Spencer. Um yeah, some obviously the fans aren't, and sometimes I want to turn around and tell them to shut up, but you can't really do that. Um, so, yeah, we're really lucky to have someone like Spencer. Not only is he, is he um, a good player, but he's one of the greatest people you'll meet. And um, it's funny when I when I first got here, I kind of had this um, idea um, that like quarterbacks are like. Um, these like serious dudes like um, don't joke around like you, you don't really talk to them they keep to themselves but Spencer's almost like the complete opposite like serious when he needs to be when it's when it's football but just a really nice guy um, really easy to have fun with really easy to talk with really easy to joke with um, and he's just an enjoyable person to be around um, and I think what everyone appreciates about Spencer is he first and foremost he's honest and he's just a really really good leader which I'm sure many of the coaches um, have said to you guys before, and you guys have probably seen it when you've been in the building. You definitely have to have good leaders, and Spencer is definitely has been that. I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to him, and a uh, tremendous yep. young man, uh, definite leader, like you mentioned. You know, and you know, they, like you, you talk about, there are various positions on the field that you know you have to 
if nothing else, you have to have a short-term memory, you know, specifically yeah. at cornerback, quarterback, uh, running backs at times. you got to have that ability to say whatever just happened, it happened, and now it's over with. And so you move yeah. on from it. And so as a quarterback, you know, unfortunately, it's unfortunate you throw that first interception uh, of the season, and it's unfortunate that the, there's a, a touchdown that's um, – that is scored off of that. However, how do you react? How do you react to that? How do you rally? How do you, you know, that's the, that's the true testament of what a leader is, is that, you know, it's not about what you do when, when things are going well, it's about what happens when the bullets are flying yeah. and the difficult times happen. And he responded very well as well. So David, I got to shift to you, man. I got to ask you this. Speaking of that play specifically, we are under, under two minutes and a half. Um, driving inside the 15 yard line and the choice to make the choice to run a um, wide receiver screen into the boundary. What do you think about that? that that's obviously it's a little tough. Um, it's going to be something that's probably anticipated. You know, it's just, that's a really tough spot to run that play. It really is. But the best thing, and I keep going back to the best thing about all this stuff, and you guys alluded to it all the whole time, is Spencer bounced back. He's mentally tough. And because of that, he was able to just stay the course. Is hey, let's go. All right. That play was a really tough one for me to see. But we bounced back. We keep moving forward. And just, you know, got right at the ship. Spencer, like you said, it. I think that interception snapped a 25 in, uh, we'll call it 30, 25 quarter record yeah, that he had. So, I think he something like that, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. yeah. And, you know, the, the, the fact that he just kept going and staying the course, knowing that he snapped that record and he bounced back and the team got better in the second half as opposed to worse. You know, we, we just, the, the, the temerity that this man has, right? to allow the offensive line to grow up around him, right? When things aren't going perfect, you don't hear him pointing fingers at everybody else. You don't see that stuff. You don't hear that stuff. He's saying, hey, we can get better. We have things to work on. That's what you, That's a real leader, right? His leadership skills on and off the field, I think that's, that's, a, that's the differentiator. He is clearly the leader of that offense. Yeah, I think he's probably one of the leaders of the whole like in the building. I mean, obviously everyone look, looks up to the coaches and, and things like that, but really you're with the coaches for two hours in the morning at practice and then an hour and a bit in meetings, so really three hours a day, but you're with your teammates on the field, you're with your teammates in the locker room, like you live with your teammates. Um, and I know for a fact he's someone that I like. I personally look up to Spencer just because he's um, – I don't even like care about the football um, side of things um, because that's just two and a half, three hours on a Saturday, but more so just as a person – because he's a really nice person. He, he cares for people and he just wants people to be great at what they do. And if that means he's got to sacrifice stuff for himself, then he'll do it. And I think there's a lot of guys on the team like that. But like I've said, a lot of people, including myself, um, really look up to Spencer. And I feel like we're really lucky to have someone like him on the team. No doubt, no doubt. you got to have somebody with some tenacity uh, at your yeah. position, somebody who has that certain something that can lead your team. And I definitely have that same perspective of Spencer Peters when I got a chance to meet him. So I appreciate you being able to echo that, obviously being there around him on a daily basis. Um, he got a chance, they, guys, he, he had a chance to get some guys involved. Uh, mm-hmm. I got, I saw Armand Bruce the fourth 
uh, on an end around. I saw my man Keegan Johnson kiss two bombs, one for a touchdown. Uh, Keegan's what, a freshman, true freshman? Retro yeah, freshman? true freshman. Yeah, early in Raleigh, uh, came here in uh, late January. So, yeah, we're lucky to have um, Arlen and Keegan because I'm sure they could have gone um, to a lot of other places. I mean, to be able to have those kind of weapons in this offense, Brian Ferentz has been able to open it up. I mean, we haven't really gotten to Big, big Ten play yet, but uh, we've seen a wide-open passing attack so far. David, we talked a little bit about this. I'm going to bring it back to it, man. This running game, the running game was quiet. 54 total yards. Tyler Goodson yeah. led the way with 57 of those yards. Yep. Um, not, uh, not, not quite the output that we were looking for, but uh, uh, what did you see from, from the offense in terms of uh, what the run game looks like and, and how what we need to do to continue to, to, to progress in that, that area? It hasn't changed. Our continuity is just still off. Like the communication uh, along that line, that front line, and how we're handling what's happening with that defensive line and the linebackers, we're, we're just out of sync right now. We're out of sorts. Um, I, I, I don't know if it's a miscommunication or a misunderstanding of what your assignments are, but we are not hitting on all cylinders like I'm used to seeing our Iowa the offense do, right? So that's kind of, that's a lot of what I'm seeing. Spencer took some hits this past game that I did, I did not expect him to take. He did. Yeah, and I think that also. Um, sorry to barge in. I think that also sure, comes yeah. down to um, just having such a young O line. I know I've obviously got experienced yeah. guys um, like Linda, who's arguably the best um, center alignment in general uh, in in the in the whole nation. Um, but I mean, like you look at guys like Connor Colby, freshman. Um, and then Mason Richmond, a left tackle, first year starting. Same with Nick DeYoung, first year starting. Um, Kyla Schott's been injured. So Justin Britt, first year starter. So I, I feel like um, everyone's still young and everyone's still gelling as a team. And I feel like as the games go on, um, we really start to notice uh, a big difference, especially in um, the run game and the, and the big boys up front. Yeah, we're lucky that they're very athletic and big. Yeah, yeah. That makes up for some of their well, shortcomings. They're not short at all. But, like, <laughs> they're really not short. They're my size. But but they're athletic, they're big, they can recover, and that's saving us right now. But once you get to the point where we're able to play in, in continuity with each other as an offensive line, back when we were playing, our offensive line wasn't very good when we first started. When we got to the end, we were actually really good because we had played together for so long. Yeah, we Our right tackle, Tristan Wirth, He's gone. That was two years ago, right? And then we lost AJ last year. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? So, we have, like you said, we have a lot of young talent there, and they're very talented. Don't get me wrong. But the continuity just isn't there yet. Right? When you're passing off a, a, a twist and your pass actually like this, that when you close that gap, we're not doing that now. The defender's splitting us. It's, it's just one of those things where as we start to play more together, we get more experience, we start to trust our technique more as an offensive line, you're going to start seeing that pocket really start to clean up and you'll get the half moon curve going, right? Yeah. That, that's I think, what Yeah, I think um, similar to what you mentioned um, about the game in general on the weekend, it's just like, yeah, we didn't play our best, but we still won. I think that's kind of the same thing. Well, I guess like any position, but especially the O-line, it's like it's probably um, most exciting knowing that like these guys are so young um, and they're only going to get better. Like, right. They're just going to keep on growing and keep on gelling and um, keep coming together just as a unit in general. 
Um, so I think it's it's going to be really exciting um, for the next two years. I know, obviously, we're probably not going to have uh, Lindy <laughs> snapping the ball back to Spencer for too much longer, but um, someone will come in and play his role. But, yeah, um, we've got a really young football team in general, as you probably guys know. Guys know. So I, I think that's really exciting as well. No doubt, no doubt. That's what it's about. You know, it's about growth, yeah. it's about constant growth, especially finding that continuity, like David mentioned. You know, I will, I will echo his words in terms of offensive linemen needing that time together to definitely gain that continuity and and be comfortable and confident and be able to pass off uh, pass rush uh, schemes or you know running schemes when it comes to being able to to figure out who needs to get to that next level. Those are obviously key components to that uh, that zone, the outside zone scheme that those guys will definitely develop over the next however long they get the opportunity to play to play with each other. So. Let's shift gears again, guys. We're going to jump onto the defensive side of the ball. Colorado State's QB, Centeo, a quarterback. He's a, hey, David, he's, guess where he's from? He may not have noticed this. He may not have known this prior to me telling you this right now, but he's from Pompano Beach, Florida. Tori, I got to tell you, man, in my opinion, um, some of the go. best athletes, Here some we of go. The best athletes in the country come from Florida. Oh, so uh, uh, I would I would be lying if I said I hadn't heard that from other guys because uh, um, even guys not from down the south um, and I don't want to talk you up too much, Colin. But um, I heard those uh, guys from uh, Texas and Florida and Alabama and Georgia like that. I heard they are, uh, I guess they built different um, down there. So, but I don't want to talk you up too much. But yeah, go on. Sorry. You don't have to, listen, you don't have to worry about talking me up too much. All it's about is just being honest about a situation. Now, I will say that, yes, those guys, really Texas, Alabama, and all, they're okay, guys. But we're talking Florida here. Now, we're going to be making it relevant because Centeno, he had a pretty decent game. Um, he's from Pompano, Florida. Dave, that's not a shocker to you, is it? <sighs> okay. So I just heard what Tori said. He said, I heard, I, I hear that a lot from the guys from Florida, from the guys from Texas, and the guys from Alabama about how good they are. That's what that man said. Hmm. You don't hear from other people that are not from that area. <laughs> like, I don't understand what we want here. What is, what is this? Like, we got to deal with the reality hey, here. I don't, hey, no, don't do hey, that. Hey, don't do hey, that. Hey, no, hey, hey, Tori, hey, you're, hey. you're in reality with me, okay? No, we always hear you guys say that about yourselves. You've been saying this to me for almost 20 years. I'm tired of hearing this. For real. Holy smokes. Freaking Floridian people. No, doesn't that surprise me one little bit that you brought that up? Not even a little bit. Not even close. Nope. Nope. I'm not surprised at all. Yourselves. Listen, um, nope. this is what I will say. This is what I'll say. Typically, this works one way, right? Typically, it is a foregone for understanding as to who is. And then it is shown on the field, David. Tory. It's shown on the field as to where the true athletes are from. It's shown. So I'm going to leave it there. It doesn't matter. At this point, we were talking about, uh, we're talking Colorado State. We're talking about Centeno, a heck of an athlete. Uh, Trey McBride, a beast of a tight end, made some tremendous plays as well. But the Browns, uh, they played over, they, they played well overall. Um, our defense had to step up. We, we, uh, we kept the trend going. Another turnover um, led to a touchdown. Uh, with the ensuing play being an end around to Tyrone Tracy. Talk to us a little bit about that uh, uh, first story. Talk to me a little bit about what that does for, for an offense or for a team, for a stadium overall, uh, to create a turnover that, uh, that Jack Campbell has. And then that ensuing play 
results in a touchdown. How did that completely change or how did that, what did that do to the momentum and what did that do to the energy of the stadium? Uh, well, first and foremost, I mean, Jack Campbell and, and Seth Benson, they always just managed to, to be around the football, don't they? Evan, Justin Jacobs, we've got some uh, great linebackers. Um, but you could feel, um, I guess there was just like a bit of a shift in momentum as soon as that turnover happened. I felt like everyone was like, oh, finally, like there's a turnover or there's something good happening in the game. And you could really um, feel the momentum shift um, really start to go away. And then obviously uh, Tyrone, um, scoring that touchdown um, really helped as well. And I think really settled everyone down um, just because, I mean, it'd be long, like there was obviously a few nerves um, at halftime because we um, we're obviously expecting a, um, a good game and a, and a tough outfit, but I think it um, caught everyone um, by surprise, but everyone um, regathered their thoughts and um, in the locker room and um, there was a couple of sprays from coaches and, um, as you've probably uh, been on the receiving end yourself. Um, so, no, nah, everyone came out ready to go. And um, you, like I said before, you could really feel the momentum shift when um, Jack um, scooped that ball up or dove on the ball and then Tyron um, punched it in the end zone. Um, I don't know what, what that play is called, but we're, it, it obviously isn't something normally do. I really don't know too much. <laughs> Right. No. It was a it was an end around. It was like a reverse uh, play. Yeah, reverse. That's it. Yeah. Reverse. And uh, Tyrone took the handoff, which was some nice ball handling uh, yeah. by, by Spencer. He definitely uh, he faked out the cameraman a little bit. So it was pretty yeah. tremendous to, to be able to come out with that kind of play. Um, David, let me ask you this, man. You were there in the stadium. You got a chance to see it firsthand. You got a chance to see it from the stands. What is it? Uh, when did you feel like the sequencing kind of changed and the defense took control of the deep, took, took kind of control of the game? Like, was this the turning point for the game? And uh, did you see just a whole total shift? I mean, Tori definitely gave, shed light to what it felt like on the field. Yeah, it was the uh, beginning of the second half. The beginning of the second half is what, I mean, that third quarter, that, that was the game. Hey, the defense pitched a shutout. Our offense came in and scored 14 points. Right at that point, the momentum shifted. Right, we we had Big Mo on our side. Punts were everything. We were clicking on all levels. Right, special teams, offense, and defense. Right, we we were finishing really strong at that time. We came out of the second half, came out of halftime, and we started fast. Right, and we just finished strong. Kind of finished through the fourth quarter. We we finished up with a field goal. But that third quarter, that's when we asserted our dominance. Right. That's when we started to impose our will on the other team. And I, I know we talked about this last week. That's what I wish we had done in the first quarter. It's just, it baffles me. We're so talented. We're so good that we don't even have to play our best and we can win. Uh, we just put ourselves behind the stick. And we put ourselves in a bad position needlessly. We're really talented. We can come up and make up for it. But I don't think we need to do that. We had that third quarter, those 14 points, and shutting them out, that completely transformed how the game was going the entire time. Yeah, that was it. I totally agree. No doubt. So great victory. And, yeah, definitely uh, turned around. I agree. Uh, it definitely felt like coming out of that uh, at a halftime, the team had a different, different energy, different spirit about itself. So I, I definitely agree with you on those terms. Um, 
great win for the Hawkeyes. Great win for you guys, Tori. Uh, now, moving on, getting ready to start into the meet of Big Ten play, uh, heading out to College Park, Maryland. Um, is this your first trip to Maryland? It is. It's my first trip to Maryland, and it'll be uh, my first trip outside Iowa with fans. So, obviously, we had the Iowa State game earlier in the year or a couple of weeks ago. But, yeah, this will be my first, um, well, I guess, Big Ten away game with fans. So, um, I'm really excited, um, to be honest. I'm not, I'm, I mean, I don't really um, care about the fans or, or anything like that. Um, so, I'm also just excited. I think it's a great opportunity. And like you said, it's the start of a Big Ten football. We, we don't play any more non-conference games um, for the rest of the year um, until the bowl game. But, um, yeah, I, I think everyone's just really excited, um, more so just for the opportunity in general and then um, another opportunity for us to um, showcase all the talent we've got. No doubt, man, no doubt. So this is the first time in quite a while, number five Iowa Hawkeyes, and well, I should say our ranks as high as they are, and now travel on the road to College Park, Maryland. is going to be David. It's going to be a blackout game, man. What are your keys for the Hawkeyes to, to emerge with a win uh, for this upcoming Friday, October 1st at 8 o'clock? It's going to be the same as it was before. I mean, we're going to have to start fast on offense, get our offense line involved. This is going to be a test for our defense, though. That quarterback that uh, Maryland has? Yeah, he's, he can, he's a stud. He's very good. He's a stud. Yeah, he can sling that rock. He already has 10 touchdowns, right? He's passed for, <laughs> what, uh, 1,340 yards already for the season? He's a stud. So our secondary, that Legion of Boom, they're going to have to step up again. We're going to need them. They're getting our offense line involved in the game early on, get Spencer some uh, – some good protection, give him a clean pocket so he can step up and throw those passes and make that delivery where we put it right in the bread, uh, the bread basket. Uh, once we do that, I mean, it's going to be good. Assert our dominance early, start early, and finish strong. We can do that with Maryland, and we're going to we're going to do just fine. We'll come up with another W. Yeah, I think that's one thing that we did really well at Iowa State was just um, taking the crowd out of it um, and just really silencing. Um, any external noise or pressure or anything like that. Not that um, many guys feel it. Um, but, yeah, if we can silence the crowd early and, and get away to a good start, I really feel like it'll go a long way um, to us winning the bowl game. No doubt, no doubt. Keeping along those same lines, Tori, tell me, I got a different question for you. What, in your, in your strongest opinion, what keeps you, what keeps the Iowa Hawkeyes from getting the victory on Friday night? Uh, I feel, I mean, I feel like sometimes, uh, I guess in the first few games, we haven't started Well, the last couple of weeks, we haven't started well. Um, and I feel like the, the biggest thing is, is just not dropping our heads, whether we're down seven nil, 14, zero, 21, zero. It's just, um, worrying about little stuff at a time, just one play at a time, one play at a time. Um, just, just not dropping our heads. But I think like you guys, like you guys said, if we can get going on offense, I feel like that that's the biggest um, key to the game at the moment. Um, so I feel like, if anything, um, we've just got to be good um, in all three areas of the ball because um, I really feel like um, they're all important as, as one another. Um, obviously, defense and, and special teams have um, been doing their part and, and um, so is offense, and, but we can improve in, in all areas. Um, so, yeah, I think we're all really excited for the opportunity and, and looking forward to it. 
Well, I think you guys have both covered it pretty well. I think the biggest thing for me is is just making sure that uh, running game is it's got to be it's got to yeah. definitely is, it has to be priority number one. It has to be the area of emphasis this week and starting fast. Starting fast yeah. is the, is the, also the, the biggest key. Is also another big key. Third key, they got to do a good job on Talia Tago Bio. That guy. Yeah, I was I was just about to mention that 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 guy's yeah. He yeah. can throw the football wherever he wants and put it wherever he wants. Not to mention his ability to escape pressure, his ability to get yeah. out the edge. They they plan runs for him, but we'll get into that in the pre in the preview game preview show uh, later on this week. David, what you got for me, man? You got something for me? What you got? Man? I just had one question for Tori. You know, I like to ask my question. <laughs> oh boy, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Let's do it. I mean, you're you're the punter. You have gunners, right? You guys are really your gunners are really special. I say I've seen them do some things out there that are. I mean, God, this guy got pancake, got up and caught the ball and down within the fir- within five yards. I mean, who's your favorite gunner? Who's my favorite gunner? I mean, I, I would I would have I would have to say Terry Roberts. I mean, you guys have seen him, but I, I don't want to discredit Ivor or anything like um anything like that, especially considering he's my housemate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I know I've said this before and I feel like a lot of people um, sometimes just think I'm making it up, but they really honestly make some of my okay punts or not so good punts look good. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I've hit some balls and I'm like, oh, that's um, that's too low. That's that, I better get on my bike and run down the field and return this. And then before you know it, it's either been fair court or Terry Roberts just flattened some dude inside the 10. Um, so, yeah, I honestly owe a lot of credit. Um, to the whole punt unit, but especially those guys, because like I've said, they've made my um, some of my okay punts look great, and I'm honestly so lucky that I have those guys on the team. Because mm. I don't want to be running down there and making tackles. <laughs> you, but you know what, though? Hey, let me say, as six four, let me say, tell you something. You mean you don't want to go down there, but I feel of the utmost confidence in your tackle. Yeah, considering yeah. your past uh, sporting. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I did. Put, so some people are like, have you even like tackled before? I'm like, come on, man. Like, that's literally our game. Our game. That's literally Australian football. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course I have. Come on, man. I was like, I've probably tackled more times than you. Right. Yeah. And the proper um, form as well, Tori. The proper form. Yes, exactly. Exactly. As long as I don't uh, get, get the old targeting call like that uh, kicker from USA did last week. I thought it was a bit unlucky there. Mm. Wouldn't that happen too many times where a kid gets thrown out of the game, for, especially for targeting? Oh, wow. I missed that. So the, the, the kicker, the who? The punter? The U- USC? No, the, the USC kicker on kickoffs uh-huh. on, the ver- on the first kickoff of the game was thrown uh-huh. out of the game for targeting. Mm. Yeah, you'll, mm. you'll have to give it a, give it a view. It's to, quite amusing. I'm going to get on YouTube and check that one out. Yeah. That's got to be. Yeah, no. I thought it was quite impressive. I'm like, wow, a kicker being thrown out of the game. That's kind of cool. Yeah, wow. targeting. That's pretty cool. Hats off on that. Yeah, kudos to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's the first time I've ever heard that. So that. Yeah. No, there you go. That was quite uh, quite amusing when we were talking about it in the specialist room the following day. <laughs> Absolutely. That is amazing. I'm going to look that clip up. That's, I yeah, got- you'll have to. That's awesome. All right, well, that's our time for the day, man. I appreciate you guys. Hawk, 
Hawk Talk, you guys, uh, Hawk Ride Nation, I appreciate y'all for joining me, uh, as well as my, my, my co-host today, David Porter. Tori Taylor did an amazing job. I appreciate you from both of, from all these guys here today. Thank you all for joining us. And uh, please come back and catch the pregame show. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll pregame, we'll, pre we'll talk, we'll preview uh, the Maryland Terrapins and the work that they do, man. It's going to be an awesome game Friday night. I will be there, Tori. I will be in College Park. Oh, that's what I want to hear. I'm looking yeah, forward man. to seeing you after the game, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yes, absolutely, brother. Absolutely. I'm excited to be there, brother. I'm excited. Nah, absolutely. What, what you got to say, David? You seem like you got to say. Right? I see you after the game. I told you that's what, what he was going to say. You'll see me after the game, hopefully. <laughs> mm -hmm. before, but, yeah, you'll definitely see me there, buddy. And uh, Yeah, hopefully after a win. Absolutely, brother. Appreciate you again All for right. coming on. And for everybody else, thank you for joining us. This is Hawk Talk. Uh, take care and God bless. And go Hawks. Thank you very much. Go Hawks. Perfection. All right. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.